You could turn out to be a lawbreaker because there is this let's just break the existing laws that don't feel like they are creating this sense of community that I would love to create. I have a problem sometimes with authority, especially people in positions of authority that don't deserve it. I see what you're doing. You're trying to set up these rules to benefit mm. you and not the community. And when I see that, I attack like a bear. Magnificence is the boundless expanse of being, a liberation from limitation. It is the embodiment of authenticity where you shed the shackles of self-doubt, shame, and imposter syndrome. Here, worthiness flourishes like a vibrant garden where you have the power to determine your actions, destinations, and your closest relationships. In the realm of magnificence, creative individuality takes center stage. Your greatness is acknowledged, celebrated, and nurtured. Gone are the days of mindless conformity or fitting in just to keep the peace. This show and your host, Patricia Linder, are here to guide you as you align with your authentic design, leading the way to a life of purpose and fulfillment. Magnificence is not some unreachable peak or distant dream. It's inside you waiting to shine brighter than you ever thought possible. Welcome to your magnificence. Hello and welcome to another episode of Magnificence, the one and only empowerment podcast that strikes a match and shines the light on the magnificence of my guests. And today I have with me the amazing and magnificent George Monty. George, hello and welcome to the show. Thank you, Patricia. I'm excited to be here and I appreciate your kind words and it's kind of nice to be called magnificent. Thank you. You're so welcome. So some magnificent facts about you before we dive into the depth of who you are and your magnificence. Um, I just want to briefly introduce you to the audience for those who don't know you because you are a well-known person. <laughs> um, George is the founder of True Life Media and creates and shares engaging content that explores the themes of entrepreneurship, uncertainty, suffering, psychedelics, and evolution in the modern world. He is also an author, a passionate seeker, an inspiring connector, an amazing storyteller, and an empowering trailblazer and visionary who combines the ancient wisdom with our modern-day experiences on a mission for a more joyful and connected world. Welcome to the show. What a beautiful introduction. Thank you for that. I'm really excited to be here and, and to learn and get to explore some things together. So thank you very much for allowing me some time with you. It is so amazing that you are on the show and I just realized I am sitting here in Lower Bavaria, close to Munich, and I'm connected to this amazing guy that is in Hawaii. <laughs> Isn't that amazing in itself? That is so great to have the opportunity to have this conversation and to really exchange our ideas and dive deeply into who you are, who we are. It is. It's so amazing to see the world in which we live today. And it's it's really cool to get to find your tribe. You know, even though we have our own circles that are around us, be it our families and our extended friends, in this in this time we can really reach across oceans and find new people that resonate with our hearts and our ideas. And it's a really wonderful time to be alive. Yeah. So true. And I don't know what force is guiding us, um, especially in those shows, because right. what you said, it's like this creation of this tribe, yep. that exactly leads me to your human design chart. Because as I said before, I press the record button, I always dive into certain aspects, because there are millions of aspects right. in a human design chart. Um, and I just intuitively touch upon two or three aspects that I feel are important today. 
And so you talked about this tribe of people and I want to share the screen to share your chart. Perfect. The generator. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to spend a lot of time talking about the generator that is here to do the work, the alchemist, the powerhouse that you are. Um, I want to immediately dive into something that stood out for me and that is and I hope everyone can see that well that is this combination and I never talked about this combination before so I don't know maybe that's why it stood out that's the connection of your sacral center the center of creative sexual raw energy and The intuitive center, the spleen center, that is this animal instinct, the heightened senses, and there is this amazing connection here. Um, and so what this means from my point of view is that you are here to be someone who is responsible It's the channel of preservation and it's like an inbound thing that you are meant to be responsible. That could not always be an easy burden, <laughs> but you are in this role of a caregiver, um, showing concern for others um, and um, just by the way you show up, George, You have this aura that invites people in and that envelops them with your calmness. Um, people take from you what they need. That could be some help. That could be that they feel safe in your presence. That could be that you take care of them. You influence others with this sense of responsibility. Um And I think that is so important when it comes to building a tribe, finding your tribe, finding your soul connections, your soul family. Um, and I just stopped the screen share. Uh, when I pass it on to you, um, you are the guardian. You are the stirrer of the, value, the values. You are the one um, who is responsible. It's interesting to to see from that angle, you know, in in I feel like sometimes it can be overwhelming. It can be overwhelming sometimes because I'm constantly thinking, is this right? Or what is this person thinking? And when you're so worried about, you know, doing something that from that angle it can sometimes stop you from from having any action at all. So I can I can see it from that angle, but I do, I, I still really care about what other people are thinking and they're doing and I, I want what's best and I want everyone around me to feel good. I want to, and on some level, I feel like I can see a lot of the pain of other people. Maybe it's because I've been through some tragedies in my life, but it it is, it's, it's it, it can be hurtful to see into some people and be like, oh my God, this person, I see what happened. I see what happened. Come here, let me give you a hug. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And it is so important. You already touched upon this facet. Um, there is a tendency to forget about yourself and mm -hmm. to really feel the pain of the world and of other people. And That's so true. To um, just let this sense of overwhelm that you said, so just intrude yeah. um, and take on too much or care too much. Sometimes people don't want to be taken care of. That yeah. could happen as well. So you see it all, you sense it all, and you want to help. You want to be the caregiver, the one who has a solution. Um, yeah. And so it is always so important. And if this is something that just allows you to be in this sense of calm and ease yourself 
you're not responsible for everything. You need to take care of yourself first. That's just the message of this channel as well. Yeah. You are responsible for your own well-being. Yeah. It's like on a on an airplane. If the airplane's going down, you got to fix your mask first before you can help out anybody else, right? Absolutely, absolutely. And I want to go back to the chart because something, and I just thought I should um, do the. <laughs> now, I hope that this works. Yes, I could do it. Uh, there is the magnifying glass option. I don't know if you ever used it. And someone showed it to me. So, yeah. Oh, nice. Isn't it nice? That is. And sometimes it's a bit scary because I fear that it doesn't work. But now I can really... Oh, you got it down now. And you can see this channel pretty well. Yeah. And I thought about something. So there are some centers that have quite some gates. There is the sacral, there is the throat that I just kicked out for the moment. And I thought, okay, this is the channel that I was drawn to. That's the channel of being responsible, the channel of preservation. He's the guardian, he's the caregiver. Um what is what else is interesting about that? And that led me to because um, I asked you, is there something that is challenging in your life? And um, I might want to touch upon this. Yeah. Um, I thought that it could be highly interesting to solely focus for a longer time to solely focus on the spleen center. I don't know why, yeah. but I was guided to really dive into one center. I never did that before. Um, and to talk about what what is it all about. I said it's the center of the animal instincts. Um, it's the center of intuition, mm. heightened sense. Um, and you have this as a defined center, that means you totally know what is healthy for you. Um, sometimes people with a defined um, spleen center, they overlook um, first signs of maybe unhealthy habits, something going on in the physical body. Because they are so, they are healthy people, strong people. Um, and your overall health and immune system should be pretty, pretty well. So that's what, what this center shows. But also, and that is the more important part, there are some gates turned on, the blue numbers that you can see right here. Mm -hmm. And I thought, I want to dive into this and start with gate 50 because um, when we think about animal instinct, um, animal instinct is this highly sensitive ability to know before other know, others know, to spontaneously know, to hear, to smell, to see, to sense. Mm -hmm. At the same time, when you think of animals, they have the heightened senses and they, there is fear. So there is fight, flight, and freeze. Um, and that's just when I think of animals, just um, freeze or just fight. And so I would love to talk about the gifts and the fears of this um, spleen center, if you allow me to. Yeah, I would love it. Right. So then let's look at gate 50. Gate 50, this is part of the channel that I already mentioned. And gate 50 is the cauldron. It's called the cauldron. And I love the expression. Um, it is a highly complex gate um, that 
contains all the values of society, all the values, all the values. And this is why you feel so responsible for a community. Mm. Um, and the interesting thing, and that's um, the, ah, it's not the flip side, <laughs> but the interesting thing, all those heightened senses, as I already mentioned, they have this inbound fear. And the interesting thing is gate 50 And I said, it's the gate that makes you responsible for your community. It has this inbound fear of responsibility. What that means is you could turn out to be a lawbreaker um, because, and the stirrer of values, because there is this, um, I don't want to be responsible and I want to be responsible at the same time. Let's just break the existing laws that don't feel like they they are um, creating this sense of community that I would love to create. I don't know if this makes sense. I don't know if this makes sense. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. I'll give you an example. A lot of people have always wanted to be wanted me to be in management, like whether it was some of my first jobs or even I was a UPS driver for like 26 years. And I, I just, I don't feel real comfortable telling people you should do this, you do that. Like, I don't feel like my place. However, I'm also very, like I have a problem sometimes with authority, especially people in positions of authority that don't deserve it. Like that just And I'll find ways to point out flaws in their argument, not because I dislike them, but because I see what you're doing. You're trying to set up these rules to benefit mm -hmm. you and not the community. And when I see that, I attack like a bear. Like I, I, that just really, really upsets me. And I, it's been a problem sometimes. Like I've been fired from multiple places because I can get into the people's heads and be like, you're totally lying right now. And here's why you're lying. And the worst part is you're doing it for you and you think you're a leader, you know? So I, I do, I, I do have both of those particular parts where I feel like I should be responsible and I should be the person leading. But at the same time, I don't, I have a difficult time telling people or, or you yeah. know, with authority, like I don't, who should be in charge? Probably the person that least wants it, right? Yeah. Yeah, and so when one comes across your profile, you say, it's me and you, right? I remember yeah. that, and that yeah. just goes so well with what you say right now. It's us together. It's not like, yes. um, I'm the leader, and I tell you, um, and you are um, dependent on what I say, but let's co-create. Right. right. Um, and let's meet At the same level. Yeah. 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 Very interesting what you said about authority because that leads me to another aspect. All and right. that's so that that is so fantastic because <laughs> you give me all the clues. Um here is gate 18. And you said, um, I attack like a bear. See the language <laughs> that you use. We talk about animal instincts. Right. Act like a bear, and you have gate 18, and gate 18 is the gate of correction. <laughs> Because you see the flaws, you mm -hmm. want to make improvements to things. You are someone who can easily criticize. That could be, um, so no judgment about criticizing. So you see the flaws, and that's exactly, that goes so well with what you said, because the inbound fear is, fear of authority and that does not mean that you shy away from authority mm -hmm. but there is this um exactly what you said part um to um i see their flaws and i i want to criticize that i i can't live with that and also um this gate is and i would love to ask you about that yeah. it's about the past And looking at your own story in a critical, judgmental way sometimes and wanting to really correct maybe sure. parental conditioning, ancestral stories, 
someone who is highly engaged in this seeking part of how could I really um, make things better when I look back um, and I see the flaws when we can call them flaws. So I don't know. So I don't know about this part of yours. Um, is this something that you are highly engaged in? Yeah, you know, I, it's interesting because I, I can see it almost on an epigenetic level, and then I can see it like an on a like an ancestral level too. My, I think that there's been this problem of abandonment in my family. Mm -hmm. You know, like my my dad he was given up for adoption when he was a baby, but then his biological father went and got him back. And, you know, I, I can see the way when I look back on his life that he felt as if he wasn't enough. And that probably stemmed from being adopted as a baby, you know, and, and it plays all the way through his life in the way he acts out. And then it plays through my life too. My parents ended up getting divorced. And I, I was always, when, when there were glasses being flung across the kitchen, you know, I would be the person that was like, I would try to think of things to de-escalate the situation, you know? And so I always wanted to fix that part of my parents' relationship. But I think that's probably true of most kids whose parents got divorced. Like you want to find a way to fix it because it was, it's so much better when you have two parents. It's so much better when you, when you're together, you know, and you, you don't have this pain and this stuff. So it's interesting to to think about that gate and that particular behavior as something that is not only epigenetics, that's not something that happened in your environment, but it goes back even deeper into your lineage like that. And I don't know, I think I think that, that fits pretty well, to be honest with you. And it is so interesting. I said that before we hit the record button, yeah. there is always so much inside of every episode that resonates with me and um that is so we don't know each other very well but you know when i prepared another part of this show um i have this card deck um that is all about the jinkies mm -hmm. and i don't know why it fell out there is one one thing that is just a mirror and I looked inside of the card and I was like, why are you falling out? So, and now just uh, sharing with you, you said your dad was adopted. Mm. My mom was given away and adopted. And so she she really had a hard time as a little baby because mm -hmm. she was given away. And uh, back then was in the post-war time they wanted to do some experiments on this little baby. Just imagine. And then, um, luckily, she was adopted by some uh, relatives of the the uh, the real mother, so my real grandma. Uh, and there was a lot of like um, church and Catholic stuff involved, and so mm -hmm. really hard story. And I resonate so much with what you said because that is like epigenetic, ancestral yeah. wounding that comes in. And I have this gate as well. So that is in my chart as well. And so interesting, isn't it? Ima imagine that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So there are more good things to share. And I want to keep that. So good that you didn't say anything about the 28. Because I wanted to keep that for the end of talking about this um, center. So you said there is this fear of maybe not being good enough or mm. being inadequate, know, not, not knowing everything that you should know. That is part of gate 48. It's the well. And the well sounds so amazing and it is amazing. It is that you, George, you can provide others with this natural wisdom that you might not even be aware of, that you always come up with a solution. But the inbound fear is, oh, I don't know everything. I might want to read more. I might want to study more because maybe I'm not good enough. Maybe there is this 
inadequacy um, and that makes you this um I have this word of just walking encyclopedia of natural wisdom and you might, and this is part of this uh, gate, you might not even be aware of this facet of yours that you, you know it all, you have it just in who you are. I'm definitely curious by nature and I, I definitely think different than everybody, all my friends and the people that I'm around and I don't people I, yeah I um and it, it makes me happy to be able to come up with solutions that other people don't know you know and but I, I think that stems a lot I was talking to my wife about this a while back not too long ago a couple of weeks ago about going back to school and stuff and we were talking about I've I've retaken this class a few times and I kept quitting I was like what what's your problem and I told her like you know what the pro I think the problem is that I link up with school that I'm dumb. I, I, when I went to school, I never got real great grades because I never understood the way things were being taught. You know, an example is there's always there's always these these word problems in math and mathematics, and it was like one train leaves the station going 85 miles an hour, the other train leaves the other station going at 75. My question was like, okay. What's what is one train carrying a different load than the other one? And the teacher would be like, it doesn't matter. I'm like, it totally matters. Like, is what one's heavier? What is there more curves on the track? You know, or is it a straight line? And the teacher would just be like, George, we're not talking about that right now. And like, I would get bogged down. I'm like, I can't, I don't know how come I'm going to figure out the problem. I can't, wait, I can't figure out the problem. I don't know the details. And then, the, you know, it would just turn into this mess. And then, like, I wouldn't do the problem and I would get in trouble. But, I just I needed more information. Like that wasn't enough for me. So I think it speaks to the idea of the well. Like I need more information than the average, the average person who might be trying to figure that problem. Like I and I can't. I couldn't. I couldn't figure it out. Like even though I have all what a, a, maybe a linear thinker might need, like I can't do it like that. Like it makes no sense to me. It's like what's the point of that? You don't even have all the information. What are we doing? Like it's not even a real answer. <laughs> I love that. I love that. So we should really talk about how to change the educational system. <laughs> because so I don't know if you know, my background is teacher and teacher's trainer. And that was the reason why I started doing this and why I did it for over 17 years, because I wanted to revolutionize the system. And um, I remember exactly what you talked about, I the, the trains. And now I have yes. my son. My son just, it's his 16th birthday today. And Congratulations. He, happy birthday. Yes, happy birthday. And he keeps saying things like you just said, but there is a lack of information. What if, and I remember myself saying there was this Laplace, Laplace flea, you know, when it, it comes to um, in what direction and how far does this flea jump? Um just from what is possible. And I was like, that depends on what the flea wants. So I, I can't do any mathematics. Yeah. That um, that was so strange for me. <laughs> and so we should really change the system because that is so true. That is so true. I totally understand what you're talking about. Totally. And you know what else would be cool to see in education is... You know, when reading, I have another problem too. And it's like reading comprehension. Like yeah. They should always ask, is it true? They just ask, what did you read? Yeah. But I think all students should be asked to question, is it true or not? Like there should be some critical thinking, you know, maybe some semantics involved in all of that. Like that, and that should be run through like all the courses together. Like, because if you read, yeah. yeah, I understood what they said, but is it true? Because that should be a huge factor in what you do with that information, right? Like I can, I can, I can tell you what happened in this silly sitcom, but it doesn't. It's irrelevant because it's not true. But if you read something and it's true, now you do something else with it versus if it's not true. I think it was Socrates who said, "Is it true?" Right? <laughs> right, right. And so, what an interesting conversation because that totally connects to why I called the show "Magnificence" because I feel that everyone is magnificent, and when you think about all the kids, all the teens, yes. all the pupils, and they are said to do the same thing 
to learn the same stuff. So my son goes to Montessori school. Nice. But nevertheless, in the end, they need to do the same tests as the one that come from government. And so what's the point? What's the point? Uh, because that in the end, it is the same system. In the end, so you, you can surpass some aspects. But in the end, it's not about being this individual that is magnificent the way it is. Um, and you can specialize in your facet, your aspect, your magnificence, because mm -hmm. that is what is needed in this world. No, we make mm -hmm. that go away and we just um, polish the diamond so that all the diamonds look uh, the same. So I don't know <laughs> if it makes sense. It makes total sense. And I think that that's probably what's happening in the world is we've gotten too we've gotten too far down that hole where it it doesn't make sense. Like people have been taught the same thing over and over again, no longer works. Marshall McLuhan wrote a great book called The Gutenberg Galaxy. And in that book he talks about how, you know, somewhere in the Middle Ages, between clerks and laymen, the idea that the the book was better than the experience came to light. And I think we're seeing the total reverse of that now. We're, now we're beginning to see that lived experience seems to be vastly superior than to something that you were learning in a book. You know, So it's, it is interesting. And I, I, I have high hopes for education in the future. And it's, yeah. it's nice and to hear. Let's add some practical stuff. And I know that this is yeah. part of your chart as well, that you are all about practicability. I'm going to talk about that yeah. in a while. Um, so let's add some practical stuff. Ooh. Let's add some, how can I just put myself first, love myself, mm. um, accept who I am? What can I do to support my energetic system? So they should know about that and not just know about that maybe when they are 40 or 50 years old, um, they should learn that at school and about relationships and about yes. everything. Yeah. Absolutely. Good stuff. And yeah. good stuff in your chart. So we talked about the 48th gate and then there is gate um, 57, which is just next to it. Um, and that is your heightened sense when it comes to hearing. Um, it's the gate of the gentle and uh, when you think of an animal, it's this sense that just lets you figure out what is good for you. That is the the most ancient um, um, aspect in this chart. It's about intuitive clarity, hearing for survival. So you know what is good for you, what decision is good for you. And that means oftentimes, and I wonder if you experience that, you hear in the voice of others what is good for you and what is not. Mm. So there is this heightened sense of hearing, um, this intuitive clarity when it comes to making a decision connected to this hearing sense. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm pretty good with tones. And I think you can hear what someone's trying to say. And sometimes... I wonder if there's some form of like synesthesia that happens in that gate, because I think sometimes you can hear people's facial features. You know what I mean by that? Like communication is so much more than just the words we use. And if you're listening, I mean, really listening to someone, you're really focused on them. You can really hear their message behind their words. And I think that that's maybe one reason why I, I, my podcast has been doing so well is that I, I, I do try to listen. And maybe that's because I have this particular gate, but I think that I can hear what people are trying to tell me, whether someone maybe not, maybe they don't have a great vocabulary or maybe that they have a message they're trying to get out, but they can't quite get it out. Like I, I'm really good at deciphering that. And people, I've, I've been thankful that people have been like, George, hey, thanks for helping me clear that up. But it makes sense to, to hear it from that particular angle. And that is interesting. That leads me to the question. So you do the podcasts and that is shining some light on all your magnificent work. You do the podcasts. That is a broad variety of yeah. 
interesting topics, deep insights into um, people's lives, their visions, their thoughts, their fears. Um, and you wrote a book. I'm going to talk about okay. the book later because that is so connected to the last um, gate. We didn't talk about the last gate uh, on the Spleen Center. Um, do you work with people or don't you work with people? I just wondered because you have this capacity to really listen to people, to find solutions, practical solutions. So I, I didn't find that out yet. So I want to ask you, do people work with you? <laughs> It's a It depends on what our definition of work is. Like I, I used to lead the mentor program, the safety program, and I had a lot. I probably my my father was has is bipolar, and I think on some level, my entire family has had some form of mental illness, you know, on the spectrum. And so I, I feel like I come from a family where we're all, and most people come from a family where we're all a little different, but. I've always kind of been the bridge between those family members and everybody else, sort of like a translator, like, oh, let me tell you what he's saying right here, or let me tell you what's really happening right here. And that translated from being a kid in a family to growing up being in a workplace and being able to speak between people in higher positions and someone over here who may have just lost their child, or I can speak through the 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 disease of emotion, you know, if that kind of makes sense. and. And yeah, like I, I feel that I've, I have been able to, to do that on some level. So, I love that. That, that is so needed. This translator. Yeah. I just yeah. had a conversation with my husband yesterday, and I said, "Stop, right now! I need someone. I didn't know that I'm talking about you, to explain what I mean because you don't seem to understand what I want to tell you." Yeah. And so sometimes it's really hard to bring across what you mean when the other person or the other people can't, can't just get it. No judgment, but they can't. Right. It brings up this idea of, and it's so funny that we, we're talking about this because I have found myself recently asking multiple people on my podcast, you know, what is the difference between translation and interpretation? Like, What's the relationship between those two? And like it, that, that fascinates me. So it makes sense that, that, that we talk about these things because it is translation and interpretation and trying to thoroughly understand what people mean. I think that's why the metaphor, that's why, me, that's why I love metaphors so much because there's so much information in there. When someone starts talking about a metaphor, it's usually the way in which they see themselves. I was talking to this incredible young lady yesterday named Serena Wu who wrote a book called The Dandelion Odysseys. People should check it out. And on her book cover is like this young woman and there's this big dandelion behind her. And I'm like, why did you choose that? And she started telling me all these wonderful things about a dandelion, how the seeds are so strong. And I was like, and at the, I, got, I, I could just see it happen. And I'm like, it sounds to me like you're explaining the way in which you live your life. And I saw this big smile on her face and she's like, She's like, I love dandelions. And I'm like, it sounds like you love yourself. It sounds to me like you're explaining the way the seeds of the dandelion move into the air the same way your ideas permeate through your life. You know, and so we, it was all from the metaphors that she was using. But I'm like, this is the metaphor she has for herself. She just hasn't connected that up yet. So, Wow. That is huge. Yeah. Did you ever think about creating like an anthology or a book um, out of the conversations that you have because you gu you guide people um, while being the the host of your show you guide them towards something and it's it's like a little um, story that that takes place when you interview people and just by the way you say that and I, I just say that because I was on your show. <laughs> Um, you figure out things and you just discover aspects or point to aspects that someone might not be aware of. And I think that is, that is magnificent. That is so magnificent. You know, it's, it's magnificent that we're having this conversation because I, I am, 
I am learning what I'm doing while I'm doing it. You know, and it's 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 been recent that a lot of people have come to me and I've just started linking this up. Like people have come to me like George, I really appreciated our conversation. I'm like, oh yeah, thanks. So like, no, no, listen. I mean, I really appreciate it. It felt kind of therapeutic to me. Yeah. And I have to, you know, I was like, man, it feels like that for me too. Like, and I, I feel like there's this exchange happening to me and someone else. And when I can figure out what's going on a little bit with them, the same for you. I feel like I, there's something there for me. So it's weird how this is, you know, it's kind of fractal in a, in a way. Yeah. It's like energetic exchange that is uplifting, that is giving another perspective, um, that is connecting. So I feel more connected to you after this conversation. Um, Isn't it interesting that the mirror fell out? Like that all of a sudden now I'm getting images of the mirror, right? <laughs> So interesting. I know. So interesting. So let's move on to yeah. date 28. And that is so interesting for me. So interesting. I can't stress that enough. So that's the gate that is called the game player. And that sounds so fun, the game player. Um, I want to share more about that. I have to um, just change the magnifying glass aspect you see this and this is so that that is maybe the plot of everything that's the highlight of what i came across so this is here that's gate 28 the gate of the game player i'm going to talk about it you see it right here that's your conscious son that's the aspect when i came across the cards so I looked for card number 28, which shows the aspect of the gene keys, because the conscious sun sign is an aspect that uh, overshadow looks, uh, sounds so, so uh, like harsh. It is a very influential part of the whole chart. Oftentimes this conscious sun aspect um, is your life's work. It's why you are here, what you have to do, what is your big story behind everything that we talked about. Um, and so I totally focused on this 28th gate or gene key and talking about it on a surface level, it's this um, game player gate. That's the gate that takes risks um, to find meaning that is okay with taking risks when it comes to finding purpose. That's asking the question, um, um, what's it worth fighting for? Is it worth fighting for that, risking something? Um, and so this is just on the surface level, the game player that plays games, that risks something, what is the deeper part is, and I talk about the flip side, the inbound fear. The inbound fear is fear of death. Mm. And when I solely focus on this sun aspect, this sun gate 28.5, that's the exponent 5, that's the I Ching line 5, I'm going to talk about that as well. Um, there is a story behind that, and I need to stop the screen share, but we are now focusing on this sun sign, which you can see, sun aspect, which you can see here in this gate. And now I just stop the screen share, and I share with you the card which is not the mirror card, which is the card uh, that represents um, gate 28. And this is this card. <laughs> and it has lost lots of teeny tiny little aspects. There is a lot that you can discover in this card. And there is always a beautiful story that goes with um, all the gates. And I just want to... Put it in a nutshell. So these cards tell a story. They personify 
the gate that makes it so interesting when you hear a story of a person that is just on this card and that's the story of someone who was a sensitive, fearful child, um, fearful of everything, always feeling unsafe, always um, um, yeah, being fearful in every situation, um, falling down, um, losing this and that. So there was a lot of fear in this, just I, I want to say archetypes were yeah. person's childhood. And this was turning out in avoiding death, not looking at this aspect of death in the first phase. And then in the next aspect, it's going to what if there is no purpose in life? And that leads to um, activity, sleeplessness, recklessness, doing things faster, just putting on masks, just doing everything again to avoid death, but then to to even forget about death because the activity part, the sleeplessness part, is no longer being mindful of the body and the the sanity, the health. And so what it wants to say is it goes from purposelessness to totality. What this means is um, when... And to this person, something happened, so it, the person was bedridden, and then the person needed to face the fears and needed to accept both life and death as something that is a total concept, not exclude the dark and shadowy parts, but include everything, um, and facing fears and stopping procrastinating life um, embracing totality and there is a wonderful sentence that is I just quoted that is Richard Rudd's sentence there is a deep sense of thrill that comes as you progressively face your inner demons mm. and it's all about facing the demons that have to do with avoiding the fear of death and that explains this game player aspect much better and deeper than anything else could explain this uh, game player aspect. Um, yeah, I just leave it here and add another aspect in, in a second. Um, just let me hear your thoughts because that was really deep. That is deep. It makes me want to cry a little bit. You know, it's... Um... There's something, I think it's Mercy Iliad that writes about the terror before the sacred. And it's this idea that you can't really reach something sacred without being afraid. Sometimes that manifests in your life in ways that you never would have thought of before. It's a simultaneous birth and death at the same time. You never know how you react to something like that, but it's it's one of these things that is the most tragic thing in the world to you, but it's also the greatest gift, and it's trying to understand that. That's where meaning is, and like that is something that I think can only be digested after a long enough lived experience. You know, life is constantly trying to show you that. One side is life and one side is death. And they're the same thing in some ways. It's really difficult to, for me, like I, I desperately need to find meaning in things. And when it's not there, I just, I find it, I, I create it. And it's, yeah. it gives life and it also takes things away because, you know, something's not worth doing. You take the life from it take the meaning from it or maybe this means that I have to end this relationship and that's like a death in a way but I am I'm, I'm no longer interested in doing things that aren't meaningful in my life and that means taking risks that means 
you know, currently like I'm, I'm walking away from a job where I was making 150, just not going to do it anymore. I can't. And it, that blows people's minds. It's like, what are you talking about? What about this? What about your family? This? I'm like, I can't, you don't understand. Like I can't do it. You can't know. I can, I cannot, I cannot do it. it. It's ridiculous. It's dumb. I don't care how much money's involved. I can't do it. You know? And so it, the, the risk taking, the game playing and the meaning I'm not interested in doing things that are meaningful. Yeah. And that is being aware of death. And I think we could live, we can live life more fully when including the aspect of death. Um, it's scary, but you, yeah. you should try. We should try. We should try. We should try. Uh, you mentioned your book. Yeah. The Sacred. And um, I just connected mm-hmm. this um, gate with your book and also <laughs> the fifth line it said um, 28.5 you remember mm-hmm. yeah. and the fifth line is how can you get from purposelessness and fearing death and not accepting the demons to this totality holistic state and it is the line five part which is the line of the fixer And this is what we have in common. I have a fifth line as well in my aspect, which is similar. It's not a totality, but for me, it's um, letting go of attachment and expectation. And this is, it is because it is um, being attached to life and fearing death. So there is my fear of death as well. and once you let go of this fear, you can celebrate life. That's that's it for me. So I have sometimes a hard time celebrating it and not fearing death in the end. <laughs> and so the fixer line, the fifth line says, it's about creating greater efficiency in the world. It's all about practicality. And when you contemplate the aspect that you might have experienced in your life, then think about how you could make a business out of this archetype. That is what this fifth line said. How could you be helpful for other people that have to deal with exactly this? Mm, I exclude this aspect. I include that aspect because it's more comfortable. How could you do that? And I think you are doing that in such a brilliant, magnificent way through your conversations and through the therapeutic aspect that is inside of it. Yeah, it, it reminds me of our friend Anya, who's mm-hmm. who's talks about heart coherence and resonance and probably Shanaz as well, where there is something to be said about following your heart and listening to what it says. And I, I feel that my podcast has just, these conversations that I'm having are part of that. Like they, it's so... While not easy, like it's something that I desire to do. And it's like, I, on some level, it's almost an obsession, like talking to people and learning and, you know, spending, I could do it all day. And it would, time flies when I'm acting, when I'm in the act of creating or in the conversation or in the now with somebody and learning, it's just, there is no time. It's just, it, it fills my heart, you know, and I, like the feedback and it's like all oh, people enjoyed that. I enjoyed that. It's just this ideal state of flow and co-creation. Yeah, it's it's when when you when you say it, I, I I feel like it's my calling. Like I feel like that it's what I'm supposed to be doing. So absolutely. This is your life's work. That's what you're supposed to be doing. And I feel what you just what you just said about this. These conversations, I feel that is um, the energetic currency of being rewarded somehow on a strange, different level. Because even when I'm in pain or when something was going on or when I was part of your podcast and I felt so tired, I felt uplifted after that. Um, And I forget about hardship. Because it is so, like, raising the frequency. That is what happens all the time because, so, I get the aspect of being obsessed. 
and mm -hmm. really enjoying these conversations. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 timeless. You know, on some level, it speaks to that I see so many patterns of people that like when I, I like to re-listen to a lot of Joseph Campbell and he was mm -hmm. he spent tons of time in Hawaii or Terrence McKenna, tons of time in Hawaii. And it's just like I'm like, oh my God, I'm doing the same thing as these people. They were in the same spot as me. I'm talking to these crazy these people that are so beautiful. Like I I can't help but see the echo of the wonderful people that came before me in the sounds that I am putting out now. And I'm hopeful that in one day, maybe there's someone that hears some of my conversations or my content and it draws them towards the microphone or it draws them to share in the same way I was drawn to it. Like I'm grateful to be walking through the pathways and following the footsteps of people that were mentors or at least, I, mean, I didn't even know them, but that I, I felt so attracted to and get to pick up maybe where some of them left off. Beautiful, beautiful. I have several questions on my mind. The first one is, what are your next visions or goals? Anything that you want to share? Or is it secretive? Anything that is on your mind that you want to create? Because I just think about your chart. I don't want to share. Again, there is the aspect of the genius that might be ahead of other people's time. And I just want to dive into your genius aspects. Is there something that you have on your mind or heart or wherever you you have it? Yeah, I, I think that right now is the best time ever to reinvent yourself. For anybody out there right now, like that's what I'm doing. Like I, and it's scary. It's hard to walk away from from what you're doing but there's this saying that's been going on in my mind and i've been sharing it with my family and it's it's this it's this it's don't be afraid like don't be afraid look for meaning and, and what i have found and that i'm sharing with my family and stuff is that you must let go of the ideas and the person that you want to be so that you can become the person that you're supposed to be. And like, for me, that's like, I love Hawaii and I've learned so much here, but all points, everything in my life is just blaring like a siren. Like it's time to go, pick up your family and go. And it's so hard to leave everything because you think you have so much, but you know, in this, in this aspect of letting go, like I'll give you an example. Like for me, I love books. And like, I've collected, so I had a really great library and like, I got all these first editions and I'm like, I have to leave. Like, I can't, it's time for me to go. All the whole world is telling me I need to leave here. So I'm trying to let go of these books and I pick up this one. My wife's like, just get rid of that book. I'm like, it's a first edition. She's like, who cares? And I'm like, I care. It's a first edition. And you know, but I, I realized the absurdity of it. Like I'm sitting there and I'm like, Man, the woman that I love most in the world is like telling me to get rid of this book. And like, I'm holding on to that. And I started thinking like, why am I holding on to this? Oh, this book represents a time when I got it. It represents a conversation I was having with a dear friend. And that's why I got this book. And I'm like, okay, now that I know that I'm aware of why I'm holding on to this, I no longer need to hold on to it. Being aware of why you have something is enough. And you can let go of that thing now. You still have the awareness of it. And so I took that book and I gave it to another friend that would really enjoy it. So I think that the, the genius that I see for people is that if you want something more, you have to be willing to let go of what you already have. Like you can't, like if you're rock climbing, you can't grab the next peak unless you let go of the one you're on. And it's scary. But I have news for everybody. Like it works. It works. You have to let go in order to reach higher. You have to let go in order to become the person that you want. And the world wants you to be better. The world wants you to become the very best version of you can so it can use you as an example to show everyone else. So the idea is how much are you willing to let go of? How much are you willing to let go of? Are you willing to let go of your relationship? Are you willing to let go of the things you love so that you can love even more? Because when you let go of stuff, Now you have more room to fill yourself up. I think that's. I think there's real genius in that. And it's hard. It's scary because most people don't want to let go. I don't want to let go of some stuff, but 
let it go. The things that you can let go of, let them go. And you'll be surprised of that creating momentum and a pattern in your life. And I look when I look back on my past, I I moved to Hawaii without I've never I'd never been here in my life. I didn't know anybody. I had two thousand dollars, and I left everything. I sold my car, got rid of all my clothes, and I moved out here. And I found the love of my life. And we bought a couple houses, and we had kids. And it's weird how you can hear that same sound, that sort of Pavlovian whistle. I hate to say it's conditioning, but it's this Pavlovian whistle, or maybe it's a whisper on the wind. You know, maybe it's maybe it's it's a sign of your heart speaking to you. But if you listen and you're quiet, you can hear the time when it's time to move. And so when I look back on my past, I know it's possible. And not only is it possible, it's necessary. So, And I think that the people listening to this, if something in my voice resonates with you, it's time for you to move on. It's time for you to become the best version of yourself. And that's what the world is changing so fast right now. The world will work with you right now. I promise anybody listening right now, the world will work with you right now if you take a chance. It's looking for heroes. The world is looking for heroes right now. Become one of them. Very well. That's very touching. And it was as if you were solely talking to me. Uh, I, maybe I'm talking for many people when I say, but George, what about the what ifs, what if nots? Oh, I don't know. That is so scary. I can't do that. Maybe let's stay in mediocrity because um, that is somehow safe. And who knows? Maybe things become worse. Maybe, I don't know, what if, what is the practical idea or tip that you can share? Because I bet when people listen to what you just yeah. said and resonated with your voice, and I did, there's this, yeah, 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 let go to become this better version You need to let go that there is more space for something better. Yeah. But what if, what if, what if not? Um, who knows? Maybe what do you do with these hindrances? You know what? It's like for those of us who have kids and for those who don't have kids, there's a cool thing. When your kid falls down and they wreck their shoulder or their knee or their finger or their face and they're all bloody and it looks pretty bad. The worst thing you can do is put a look on your face like, oh, you know, you don't want to look scared. And because the child, it seems to me, a lot of times the kid doesn't know until they see the reactions of the others. And all of a sudden, as soon as you show a scary face, they start crying. We never lose that. Like that's still like that's the beginning of looking for outward validation, and we never lose that. So I'm I'm trying to put it in like if people can see that those who have kids go, oh yeah, I see that happen all the time. Okay, now that you've know that, now think about yourself. Sometimes you don't know how you feel until you see other people's reactions. That's what if. Oh no this person looks like I'm doing something bad. Or an example in my life is that people are like, oh, George, well, I heard your movement. I'm like, yeah, it's, it's, I'm so thankful. And they're like, oh, I'm so sorry that you're leaving. I'm like, I'm not. But so many people don't understand. Like, this is the best thing in my life that's ever happened to me. But people are so preoccupied with how it's going to affect them. And like, that's where all the ifs come in. Like, oh no, what if it doesn't work? Oh no, what if this happens? What if it doesn't? You know, there's no, for some reason, we have decided that the negative aspect of if will work out more than the positive aspect of if. Think about it. Everyone's like, oh, what if that happens? What if it does? What if it doesn't? And like that, that's enough. That should be enough to tip the scales for you. Like just sit back and think about it. Think about all the negative things. Like what if all these things, bad things happened? Okay. And, and seriously, think about them. What if they did happen? What if you... What if this happened? What if your plane crashed? What if you lost all your money? And now think about it. What if it was the best move ever? What if my kid, what if my kid met a mentor out there? What if my relationship got even better? 
Like, and just sit with both of those what ifs. Go way down the negative what if hole and go way up the what if positive hole and be like, okay, now ask, do you still want to do it? Because this is what's waiting for you if you do it. Here's what's waiting for you if you don't. Here's what's waiting for you if you do it. Here's what's waiting for you if you don't. Like, you know what's going to happen if you don't do it. You're going to be in the exact same spot. Is that what you want? Do you want to be in the same spot you are 10 years from now, five years from now? Or do you want to take a chance on life? Do you want to bet on becoming the best version of yourself? You got to get out of your comfort zone. And like, that's where the what if comes in. All this what if and questions buzzing by you is the sound of the air passing when you jump off the cliff and you're in the middle of your swan dive and into a perfect lake that will, you know, it's, it's, it's the what if question. And what if it works? If you're going to ask yourself, what if, follow it up with, what if it works? That was so powerful. Right. Just contemplating on exactly what you said. So I think that is the highlight of everything we talked about. Everything was magnificent, but this is the highlight. I think that is so much practicality. Uh, that is for every, I think that is for everyone, such a nugget, such a gem, um, really thinking about that. And that's so true. The what if most time is a negative thought. Most yeah. times. Why is that? Yeah. Why is that? Let's change that. Let's yeah. revolutionize the what if. <laughs> yeah. What if? Yeah. It's conditioning, I think. It is. It is. I guess that is conditioning. So I feel so happy for you that you are making this huge step and you change, you develop, you become an even better version of who you are. You become even more magnificent. It was so great having you, George. Um, if people want to learn more about you, find out more about you, get in touch with you, how can they do that? First off, thank you for giving me some time to be with you. All of our conversations have been magnificent. And I think you are magnificent. I really appreciate you taking time to go through my chart with me and have a conversation with me and giving me this platform to talk. If anybody wants to reach out to me, just Google True Life Podcast and all my links will come up. True Life Podcast. Um, there's a picture of like a mystic monkey on the front kind of, you'll know it's me. You'll look at the picture and be like, that's totally George. So yeah, go on, go on there. I'm on, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on all the socials, true life podcast, reach out to me. I'd be happy to talk to you and let's make the world better. Let's, let's every one of us become the best version of ourselves and let's all be magnificent. Yeah. Let's all be magnificent. What a great wrapping up of what we said let's all be magnificent and this was another magnificent episode of magnificence the one and only empowerment podcast that strikes a match and shines the light on the magnificence of my guests and on your magnificence i wish you all the best bye for now thank you for joining us for this empowering episode to continue this journey of aligning with your true purpose and uncovering your magnificence, schedule an illumination call with Patricia at patricialindner.com. Please share this episode with someone who needs it and subscribe to the show on YouTube and your favorite podcasting platform. Join us again soon for another episode of Magnificence.